Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org. Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Hotline. If you are obsessive-compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you are codependent, ask someone to press 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, and 6. If you are paranoid, we know what you are and what you want. Stay on the line and we'll trace your call. If you're delusional, press 7 and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you are schizophrenic, listen carefully and a small voice will tell you which number to press. If you are depressive, it doesn't matter which number you press, no one will answer you. If you are dyslexic, press 69696969. If you have a nervous disorder, please fidget with the hash key until the beep. After the beep, please wait for the beep. If you have a short-term memory loss, please try your call again later. And if you have low self-esteem, hang up. All our operators are too busy to talk to you. All hit radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I'm Rob O'Connell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Um, my guest this hour is Raven Digitalis, and uh, Raven is the author of Empath's Oracle, The Everyday Empath, Esoteric Empathy, Shadow Magic, Compendium, Planetary Spells and Rituals, and Gothcraft, uh, originally trained in Georgian witchcraft. Raven has been an Earth-based practitioner since 1999, a priest since 20, uh, 2003, a Freemason since 2012, and an empath all his life. He holds a degree in cultural anthropology from the University of Montana, uh, cooperated in a non-profit pagan temple for 16 years, and is also a professional tarot reader, DJ, card-carrying magician, and animal rights advocate. His website is www.ravendigitalis.com. And Raven, great talking to you again. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's nice to hear your voice again. It's nice uh, talking to you, too. And uh, you're in the beautiful state of Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's more like a country, you know. <laughs> but officially, on paper, it's a state. Yeah. In reality, it's its own country. Tell us, uh, and many locals agree. <laughs> yes, true. Um, for the many listeners who have joined the Exo Nation since you were last with us, tell us more about yourself and and what brought you into your 
into the work that you do, you know, being a, a priest since 2003, Freemason, uh, you, you, you've done so much. How did it all get started, Raven? Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, never a dull moment, really. <laughs> um, always something something going on, a tarot reading to do, uh, uh, a job a job to be done, a, a book to be written. So, you know, I just try to be inspired and go with that inspiration and wherever spirit calls me at any given time while still, you know, trying to make a living. I do healthcare work and right. uh so that's like the nine to five, but I would I would never do a nine to five job actually. So <laughs> I like the the later hours. But um yeah, basically got started early in metaphysics and it just grew and developed and went in many different directions. So it's an honor to keep publishing and keep helping others in the world and try to make it a better place one piece at a time. That's all we can do. Um, yep. Are you finding more and more people these days post-COVID uh, still in a world that is that is haywire are turning to the alternative crafts for answers that they can't get from established religious philosophies? It really does seem that way. I've noticed that myself. Uh, there's so much uh, internal work, I believe, that people have had the opportunity to do, especially during those times of lockdown, mm -hmm. uh, which for some people were destructive, for others were constructive, and for others it was a mix of the two. So I think that the time of COVID, especially lockdowns, just brought people into um, – this new perspective, like the world will never be the same after COVID and, and who knows when after COVID will be, but that's right. Yeah. I think it's opened new doors and shifts in consciousness globally. So I think the the mundane just is not as appealing to many people. And also there's this global, happening where everybody gets faced with their own mortality. So, oh boy, we better research the big picture while we're here. It certainly seems that way. As someone who's in, in tune with Mother Nature and, and you know, you're an empath, did you have any idea that COVID was going to play the nasty role that it did? Well... Funniest thing happened uh, when I received the message to move to Hawaii from Montana. Mm -hmm. I arrived here a week and a half before lockdown. I had this sense that COVID was going to spread and be a problem, but not to this degree. With all the anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers out there and anti-scientific folks, mm -hmm. it's really extenuated, extended COVID's existence, unfortunately. And it wouldn't have to be this bad, especially in America, if people would pay attention to the science. But at the time coming here, I was very focused on my own personal healing and didn't right. really put my feelers out too much globally. But there was still this imp impending sense of change, a big change. So it was very interesting to be here in Hawaii when there were no tourists just got here and nope, no can, no more tourists. And 
so I've certainly gotten the local experience. All right. The last time you were on the show, I believe, is going back to 2008, and it was after the release of your book, Gothcraft, The Magical Side of Dark Culture. So how right. have you been, and how have your books developed since then? Well, you know, I originally got started out looking at goth, gothic culture and mm-hmm. um, dark, darker magic, not black magic, but uh, more shamanic-based right. um, magical practices. And from there, I figured that it felt like I, I offered all that I had to give in that field. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, all of this information about empathy started to come to me, and I realized that was going to be the new focus. So starting, probably starting eight or nine years ago, right. my empathy work started to spill out. Um, so my first book, Esoteric Empathy, my first empathic book, Esoteric Empathy, which is the one that I consider my number one, my heart baby, just I'm so proud of it. It took about six years to write and research and lots of self-reflection, lots of editing, uh, lots of artwork in there. So after that came out, I had a psychic tell me who exchanged a reading with me that it would actually be a trilogy of empathy books. And I said, what are you talking about? No way. And what do you know? The publisher wanted me to write a smaller book on empathy. Mm -hmm. And so then I came up with The Everyday Empath, Whereas esoteric empathy is more tailored for empaths who identify with witchcraft, occultism, magic, earth-based, nature-based spirituality. The other one, the smaller one, the everyday empath, is just a smaller book that's for everyone. And from any walk of life, everybody can approach it. And I like to mix the scientific with the metaphysical because I feel like they're so deeply intertwined, if not inseparable, that it's good to look at it from all angles. So I even have scientists that have read my books and have given some good confirmation about the material, which I'm humbled by. Um, so the newest project is coming out uh, in May, hopefully sooner. They usually end up releasing it sooner, but it's called the Empaths Oracle Deck. And this came together in less than a year, wow. so that it ended up being my third empathy project. So the trilogy is complete, and actually, just yesterday, on the full moon of October, I put the finishing touches on the final proof document for it. So felt very magical. All right, so I wrote. The, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I wrote with that. I said, go ahead, I've got to take my break in about 10 seconds. Okay, so it's a mini book that I wrote along with 40 cards, 40 affirmation cards for empaths coming out in May. Let's talk more about this on the other side of this break. And Nation. our guest this hour is Raven Digitalis. His website is ravendigitalis.com. This is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our affiliates around the world. Speaking about affiliates, there's a great new radio station down here in Ontario called Classic 1220. 
Check them out if you like classic rock and roll and if you like classic talk. Their website, classic1220.ca. Raven Digitalis is my special guest this hour. His website is ravendigitalis.com. Uh, tell me about empathy and what it means to be an empath. I love how much the term empathy and empath have gained speed over the last even 30 years. Yeah. Uh, in the media, one of the first mentions of somebody as being called an empath I think the first mention was on Star Trek in one of the original episodes in the 70s. So the character Jem was an empath. That was her species there. Oh, and speaking of species, here's a little lizard right next to me saying hello. Hi, guy. (laughs) (laughs) They look quite alien. But anyway, uh, after that, the word empath as a self-defining term started to gain speed in scientific fields and in metaphysical fields. And I heard about it myself in high school during a time of emotional overload. I sought the advice of an elder and she said, oh, you're not clearly an empath. I'm like, what is that? And well, it can be defined as emotional psychicism, even though it's not psychic in the traditional sense. I say that because psychic abilities are more cerebral and based in the mind but empathic abilities which we all have to different degrees same with psychic uh are is strictly emotional so empathy is strictly emotional so an empath is somebody who takes on more emotions from the outside world than an average person would and absorbs them and becomes them and mirrors them and this can be very challenging a lot of the time it can push one out of their own identity or feeling of identity and make them a people pleaser and never want to argue just agree with everybody and want to heal everybody's pain so with my books and with my consultations i try to help people get back to a place of balance so i always emphasize balance 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 there's always a middle ground and a medium. Sometimes people are so so empathetic mm-hmm. that they will have their they'll swing their pendulum to the other side and 
indulge in addictive behaviors, which can take so many forms. Tell me, Raven, as, a, as an empath, how do you deal with all the pain in the world today? Yeah, that's a tough one. Because the pain, there's always been so much pain in the world. And it's a matter of what we tune into and what we choose not to. It's not about avoiding the pain of the world, but rather Mm -hmm. where can we influence positive change the most? So that, of course, starts with the self, working on the self. And then that extends out to people in one's immediate environment and then the local community and beyond that. So it's kind of a spiral like that. Because if we look too far into the pain of the world, oh, it's devastating and it is unbearable, literally. And, you know, I have such a soft spot for animals, when, especially when I see animals or any innocent person even um, suffering unnecessarily. It's just heart-wrenching, and I realize that I can't dive into that and, and unless I can help it somehow and do something to help. So, so how do you protect yourself? Visualization goes a long way. So mm-hmm. imagination and visualization help conduct energy, and thoughts help create reality. So just by getting in tune with the body physically through healthy sleep, healthy food as much as possible, um, and exercise as much as possible, little things like that, or, Mm -hmm. you know, daily practice, yoga, meditation, those really help link the physical to the, to the metaphysical. So with visualizations, there's shielding that empaths can do. There's also, the wearing of certain stones, the favorite being black tourmaline. That's the number one empath stone for one that wants to keep out too much excessive energy from the outside world. And my books discuss uh, many of these um, stones as well as herbs that a person can carry that have been renowned for boundary setting. So that's the thing. Where does the empath's energy begin and where does the other person or environments end? So it's that discernment that we're going for. And from that place of discernment, we can more easily heal ourselves and others. Mm. So when, when people come to you for a consultation, how can you help them? Mm. What I, I've uh, loved reading in my research that in fields of therapy and counseling, empathy is highly emphasized as a number one technique where the counselor or therapist will step into the shoes and the perspective of the other person to understand them better and then step back into their own perspective. And that takes a lot of practice, especially the stepping back into one's own and redefining that boundary. So by understanding another person's reality, their lens of how they see the world and experience the world, we can more easily advise. And that's just 
empathetic therapy. So that can be carried over to many different fields of work, from um, healthcare work to uh, Reiki and divination and sound healing and yoga instruction and um, countless professions, medical professions as well. So do you, do you work with the medical professions at any time to help a person? I work with uh, in-home health. I've been doing that for about 14 years. So that can uh, be very rewarding when I'm helping somebody, uh, whether it's emotionally or um, physically with what they need accomplished. Also, at the same time, medical professionals or healthcare professionals um, or professionals of any type that work with others in need need to take breaks and that's a huge empathic thing we need to take breaks need to take space from time to time in order to become more full and grounded and self-assured so empath empathy burnout is a real thing so eh? so who takes care of the empath the empath when the empath is burned out uh, well, I think it starts with self-care. Luckily, I can go swim in the ocean if I want to, mm-hmm. but not everybody can. Uh, so I'm very blessed by that. But we can walk in nature, right. clear the mind, just go into a natural spot, can sit with animals who are innocent, pure reflections of nature, take baths, uh, read books, listen to podcasts like like yours, and do things that take us uh, to a different space. And then, of course, yoga, meditation, spiritual work, daily practice, those really help one realign and stay grounded and protected. Hmm. So you've written two books about empathy, and now you have a deck of cards that, you know, that are on the way called The Empath's Oracle. Is is the, is your book and deck of cards designed so that new people who are showing interest in empathy can actually use the book and the cards, or is this is this for the professional, the person who's already working as an empath? Oh, it's uh, able to be approached by anybody, really. So, if somebody is new to their empathic abilities or discovering what they are. They can pick up the deck and the little book that comes with it and get various pieces of insight. So what I recommend in the for doing with the deck is to draw a card at the beginning of the day and reflect on what that means. And there are some cards that have heavier meanings, others that are more light and inspirational. And it's kind of all over the empathic map. Mm-hmm. So... We just have to rely on synchronicity and trust that we'll pull whatever card we're meant to and gain insight from that. And for those who do work with their empathy in a professional capacity, they can gain insight just the same. So the thing is that it's an oracle deck rather than a tarot deck. So it's very interpretive by each reader, whereas tarot Mm -hmm. tends to traditional tarot tends to be aligned to astrology 
esoteric Kabbalah, and many other alignments. All right, Raven, I've got to take a break, so please stand by. Exonation, our guest this hour is Raven Digitalis. His website is ravendigitalis.com, and we'll both be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. back, everyone. Raven Digitalis is my guest this hour. His website is ravendigitalis.com. Uh, Raven, the word empath is almost as popular as the word psychic at this point. But how are these different, and how are they similar? Yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, psychicism is so much based in the mind and is cerebral, and empathy is strictly emotional and relies on the emotional uh, perspective of the brain. There are mirror neurons confirmed Mm -hmm. in the brain's frontal cortex, I believe. And also there's the experience of emotional contagion or contagion, like emotional contagion has to do with one person feeling something and then the other picking it up and it becomes contagious. That's that even happens if, you know, we're talking and I scratch my neck and then you scratch your neck oh. after that or play with your hair or yawn after, you know, these are uh, social contagion effects. So empathy is emotional mm-hmm. and psychicism is just has so many different um, subsections to it. Um, there's clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, talking to spirits, uh, so many different things. And all of these gifts are contained in every person, have these abilities to different degrees. And for someone who's highly empathic, sometimes it can feel like a curse because it's so much emotional energy overloaded at any given time. Usually, people who are highly empathic are not quite as psychic or even socially perceptive and have difficult times with boundaries for oneself and recognizing them and others, and often don't communicate with ghosts or spirits. I've had some come to me recently, though, which has been very interesting, and I'm just blaming it on the October full moon um, and Halloween. So hopefully it doesn't continue too extremely. But again, everybody has different abilities and 
different amounts of these things. So empathy could be considered emotional psychicism, but it's not psychicism in a traditional sense. So can being an empath work with being a psychic? Definitely. I think the two are complementary, and a person just needs to work with what they have. And one thing that I uh, discuss in my various empathy books is that if a person who's very empathic is feeling overwhelmed, they can try to take that experience to their mind and mentalize it and make it something cerebral thinking about something, thinking about a situation, instead of just getting emotionally attached to it mm-hmm. or too deeply involved. And this connects a lot to the Buddhist practice of mindfulness, taking a step back, becoming more objective, watching our emotions and watching our thoughts. For empaths, we can just get caught up in this whirlwind of emotion and not know what's going on or the origin of different feelings, whether they're our own or somebody else's or a combination of these things. So by taking a step back regularly, we can start to gain that perspective and become more balanced empathetically. Raven, the last time I talked to you, I believe you were in Montana. You're in Hawaii now. What brought the change about? Well, I was co-operating a nonprofit pagan Hindu and multicultural temple in Montana with my priestess for 16 years, and it's still operating. She's still working on that and has students in the coven there. I just uh, reached this point of burnout with it and had some uh, stressful personal things going on where spirit told me to take space. Mm-hmm. And so I just listened to that message. It was delivered loud and clear, and it's my first time moving away from Missoula, and I was directed right specifically to Kauai, and everything just lined right up from selling my car to getting acquiring a new one here at the same price to affordable housing to getting hired with two jobs to meeting some friends, just all virtually all online. And so when things line up like that, I say, pay attention. So I did and just made the leap. And I'll be visiting back finally to Missoula next month for Thanksgiving. Isn't that wonderful? Good for you. Good for you. I, I, I think a lot of people get the inner messages, but they don't act on them. And I think that by not acting on the inner messages, you're missing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Right. That's why I'm a fan of writing things down, mm-hmm. especially after sleep, dream journals, and also just intuitive things. I've got an app on my phone uh, called Captio, C-A-P-T-I-O, that I use every day. If I don't write something down, I'll forget it. I'm just that kind of person. So if I get an intuitive message or just need to write a reminder to myself about something, <clears throat> I'll just type it in there and it boom it goes right to my gmail and that's been very helpful because i can go back and be like oh yeah i received yeah. that message i should do that reach out to this person or whatnot 
So just by listening to that intuition, getting it down on paper or Mm -hmm. whatnot goes a long way. Everybody knows about tarot cards. You know, we see them on TV. They're available in bookstores. They're available in card stores. But there are so many different decks. How does one choose one deck or over the other? And what do the cards mean? Right. So when it comes to tarot, yeah, there's so many decks. And there are only a handful of them that are really authentically true to the original spirit of the tarot, which is, like I mentioned, aligned to Western astrology and to esoteric Kabbalah and alchemy and many other schools of thought, um, ancient Egyptian, um, things like that. Uh, there, there are just so many decks. Many, many are honestly ridiculous and... <laughs> Uh, embarrassing um, but then others are, are more uh, true and you know that the, the person put in a lot of time and work so it just depends on the person like for me I got started reading with the shapeshifter deck just because I loved the imagery and the imagery spoke to me so for me anyway that's where I started it wasn't a traditional tarot by any means it had none of the traditional alignments mm-hmm. it just had the traditional words and names for the cards uh but i was able to use it actually now that i look back on it more like an oracle because i was kind of scrying in the cards and getting messages from there and vaguely going by the actual titles of each card when i would read for people and this was when i was reading for free i wasn't taking any kind of money or exchange at that time um just learning and then the deck that most people start out with is the Rider Waite deck or the Rider Waite Smith deck. And that's become extremely popular and has many of the traditional alignments. And at this point for me, I use the Toth deck, T-H-O-T-H, designed by Alistair Crowley and painted by Lady Frida Harris uh, in the early 1900s. And wow. I'll never use a different deck. It's so deep. But it really just depends on each person. There's nothing wrong with reading from a more simple deck if mm-hmm. if the readings are accurate. And everyone just has a different constitution to read with different cards. So it's worth experimenting. And again, I think if the art calls to a person, that's a really good sign. You and I have to take our final break for this hour, my friend. Uh, First of all, thanks very much for taking time out of your busy day in that beautiful state that you're in to join us tonight. Um, My pleasure. It's really really fascinating to to, uh, try to understand how you as a reader can look at a card, get a basic idea, and then I believe you use your psychic abilities to... to, uh, add on to that card to make it the reading personalized for the person that is getting the reading. You and I have to take our final break, so please stand by. And Dexonation, if you'd like to find out more information about our guest of this hour, Raven Digitalis, visit his website, ravendigitalis.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. Raven Digitalis is our guest. Ravendigitalis.com is his website. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Ravendigitalis. And on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Ravendigitalis. First of all, Raven, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, where do you see Raven Digitalis going with all his all his uh, expertise and his empathic values that so few people have. I don't know about that. Well, I guess the the next step is going to be teaching some classes. So I've struggled a long time with social anxiety, as most empaths have, for me especially in mm-hmm. the form of public speaking. So interviews and conversations like this are not so nerve-wracking now, but they used to be. And you might remember from the first time that we spoke, um, I was probably a nervous wreck. I know I remember that. I'm not sure if I sounded <laughs> like it, but um, that's gotten a bit easier. But I've been invited to uh, teach a class at the Dark Goddess Convention in Denver, this will be over Zoom, and members can sign up. I believe it's free. Uh, so that will be happening soon. I'll be pre-recording the class for that. Right. So people can look up the Dark Goddess Convention online. And then in February, for my friend Christian Day in Salem, Massachusetts, I'll be doing a Zoom class for WitchCon 2022. So that'll be the big one. So it's kind of like the universe is giving these little stepping stones where I've been giving more workshops at my book tours, book tour events, small workshops, and then more podcasts and then turning into classes where there aren't a bunch of people around me. So <laughs> that's where 
that's where things are going at the moment. Why do you think witchcraft has such a negative connotation with most people? Like, I'll tell you something. To me, Wiccans and witches, they are the nicest people in the world. They do no harm. They're a Mother Earth-based philosophy. So why the negative connotations when it comes to witches and Wiccans and warlocks and covens? I don't understand it. Help me. Well, Hollywood doesn't help. I suppose it kind of is helping a little bit more, actually, Mm -hmm. as time goes by. There's more occult awareness. Charmed, for example. Who doesn't love Charmed? Practical magic, the craft. These are these are things that show witchcraft in a more positive light or a little bit more realistic light blended with fantasy. Um, oh, I love the new Sabrina series, <laughs> uh, but I won't talk about their inclusion of Satan in that, but it's brilliant. Um, but... Really, what it comes down to, it's it's culturally ingrained. Just a term, the term witch is just culturally ingrained. And because puritanical Christianity was so prevalent when colonization happened in the Americas, it's just, that term is kind of stuck. But that term was reclaimed, and so it takes... A good long while for a term to switch around and for people to gain awareness instead of fear about these things. And because so many religions are fear-based, people don't want to learn a lot of the time or don't care to learn. But that's changing. It feels like it's changing. And sometimes you just have to be brave and say, hey, I'm a witch. And I've done that even here in Hawaii. And some people are like, oh, what? No, you're not. No, that can't be. And I'm, I have to explain, okay, it's not what you think. <laughs> you're a witch. You, uh, you're a priest. Halloween's coming up. Isn't that Indeed. sacrilegious? Isn't that kind of sacrilegious towards the Wiccans and the witches? Not at all. No? I think it's, I think it's the most, well, it is the most pagan overtly pagan holiday that we see Samhain. in this culture. Yeah, Samhain. Yeah. And so we see pagan displays everywhere from trick-or-treating, jack-o'-lanterns, apple-bobbing, uh, decorating with spooky things. So there are all these traditions that are carrying over that are overtly pagan and witchy. Yeah. Of course, it, it's the season of the witch. It, it is, but, you know, the witches are always depicted as ugly old hags, uh, you know, flying on a broom. There's a kettle boiling. That it, it's. It, I think that they should modernize the, the witches <laughs> for the holiday and also put a lot more men in it instead of just all these female witches. Totally agreed. Yeah. You know, I, I personally so, think that, that Halloween is sponsored in full by the American and Canadian Dental Associations, but that's just how <laughs> I think. Understandable. Yeah. I've got my Maltesers right here as we speak. Oh, I love them. That's my favorite. That is my favorite my mom, of all times. Uh, 
my mom sent them to me because you can't get them in, well, um, America, North, um, you know, USA as far as yeah. I know. Well, you can, but it's kind of rare to find. But you can't get them here. Really? Them yum, e- yum, e- yum. E- even at Costco? No. Wow. Well, I guess they did at one point. Yeah. But, yeah, they're pretty rare here. You know, when I went to Canada, mm-hmm. I remember uh, my, my dear cousins lived there. I went to the dollar store and had all this just a giant bag of Canadian <laughs> candy, this huge bag, and I have this line behind me. Yeah, and I I'm like I'm like sorry I'm I'm from <laughs> USA and we don't have these candies here and I have so many requests for all these. Candies. It was pretty fun, <laughs> and they're like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, okay. Oh, for goodness' <laughs> sake! Oh Lord. Um, but is is Wicca and, and witchcraft as prevalent in Hawaii as it is in on the continental U.S.? Not at all. I'm actually part of a, a Hawaii, the Hawaii witches group on Facebook, and mm-hmm. there's not very many. But it's nice to have these connections. Most come from the mainland. There are some locals though who are into um, Western witchcraft which is mostly based in uh, celtic traditions um i also practice hinduism so that's more of my focus these days honestly is working with um shaivate and shakta hinduism so lord ganesha lord shiva lady durga uh that's my kind of my main thing now but i'm still a pagan witch of course but the interesting thing about moving to hawaii is that I understand now why Asian cultures work on a lunar calendar because the seasonal shifts are not very noticeable. Here. Yeah. That makes it's sense. Very similar at all times, at least, you know, from a mainlander's point of view. So I've been paying a lot of attention to the lunar cycles, and that seems to be where it's at. You know, we've got one minute left before. We have to say so long. What are your final thoughts about empathy and being an empath to the Exxon Nation listening tonight? I just wish for everybody to do your best and be honest with yourself and be honest with other people. Try to share love and kindness and generosity, even if there's nothing in return that you see getting from it. I urge you to take care of yourself in mind and body and spirit. Because these are times where things are really shifting very quickly, and we need to stay as grounded and centered and optimistic as we can. Let our listeners know where they can uh, find out more about you and where they can buy your books. Yep, just look me up online, ravendigitalis or .com, uh, or on platforms, media platforms. Uh, You can get a reading from me. uh, Yeah, books. You can get wherever books are sold. Uh, You can order have anybody order them in, and numerous online vendors supply them. Raven, a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Take care of yourself. You Keep too. the great work up, and I look forward to the next time we meet back here in the X Zone. I would love to. Anytime. Thanks for your great work. Hey, thank you, and happy Halloween. Woohoo. <laughs> Take care, buddy. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Ex- Namaste. Namaste to you, too, and merry meet. All right, XO Nation, my guest this hour has been Raven Digitalis. Once again, his website is ravendigitalis.com.
I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, if you like classic rock, classic talk, check out classic1220.ca. (laughs) 